The theme song for the sequel cast is written and performed by Mark with a C. The sequel cast is also a proud member of the Battleship Pretension podcast fleet. You can listen to the sequel cast streaming on the Stitcher app at stitcher.com. Get more episodes of the sequel cast from sequelcast.com. Enjoy the show. So be out of there before we hit. Don't wait for me. If I'm not out in 30, nuke it. After the credits roll, there's always more to tell. Especially when the video sales are doing really well. From shock treatment to Jason X to Police Academy 6. This is Sequel Cast. And they are unsurpassed at following a franchise until the better end. This is Sequel Cast. Hello and welcome to the Sequel Cast. The Sequel Cast is a podcast that looks at films in a franchise one movie at a time. I'm your host, Matt. With me is Thrasher. Hello for the final time in this series, Citizen. And we are looking at Starship Troopers Invasion, wrapping up our look at the series. It was a. Uh, in, it's animated, unlike the other films in the series. Directed by Shinji Aramaki. It uh, was released in 2012, so it's a, a pretty recent movie. And it uses characters from the first film. Although not the voices, but well, I'm sure we'll get to that. <laughs> if only. Yeah, you know, there's rumors that it was going to have the original voice cast, but instead you have um, Casper Van Dien is a executive producer on this. For what that's worth, I don't know if that what that really means. He, he but, may have acted as like a consultant. Right. And, um, you know, in the timeline in this film, it, it takes place after the, the, the previous movies. Johnny Rico has an eye patch. <laughs> he, sure he's we'll been through some to. stuff. Yeah, he's he's been in wars, you know. Um, so, I just first saw this for the first time for the sequel cast. Uh, I meant to watch it when it came out on video and just didn't uh, didn't get to it. Yeah, this yourself? one just kind of took took me by surprise when when uh, Sarah and I were binge watching the series. We just happened to notice, wait, there's a fourth movie here. Yeah, it should be uh, stated that the title is not Starship Troopers 4. It just says Starship Troopers Invasion, but... Yeah, I feel like maybe because it's the animated, they wanted a clean break. Yeah. And and I do wonder why this is animated, but I think part of the um, advantages of animation is you can do crazy things like have bugs crawl up the side of a spaceship and there's snipers picking them off. You know, I mean, the scope of this is so much bigger than any of the other sequels. What's well, the most? It's the most science fictional of all the sequels. I mean, th- this one, we get non-stop power armor action. Definitely. Um, uh, I do want to say off the top, the writer of this film, Flint Dill, I'm uh, is a uh, acquaintance acquaintance of mine. I've I've met him once, and I talk to him on Facebook every now and then. Cool. And um. But, you know, I'm still going to talk about the, the movie honestly and so forth. I just wanted to state that for the record. If, in case anyone was wondering. Um, yeah, I think this... 
film, you can definitely tell it was uh, directed in Japan. The pacing is like something out of a uh, an anime TV series or an OVA. No, it really is. There's lots of uh, there's lots series. of dense frenetic action uh, with sandwiched in between static shots of people looking longingly at persons, places, and things. You get a character that uses martial arts against a bug, which I think is pretty funny. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Um, yeah, and I I think it, the whole the story is a bit episodic too. But I like that you have moments that's it's just downtime with this with the troopers. It, it gives it it gives it a sense of reality, and it helps the action scenes have a bit more uh, impact. And you also get casual nudity, right? CGI nudity. Um, yes, casual CGI nudity with uh, questionably rendered breast physics. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying that sentence, but... No, no, especially uh, that, that yeah, but, shower which I think it... piece draws, just draws attention to the way breasts are rendered. Of course, then again, the uh, yeah, uniforms the, way the, the female moves officers around. draw attention to the way their breasts are rendered. They wear they wear a bathing suit, effectively. Right, they they do. It reminds me a bit of um, one of Natalie Portman's outfits she wears in Attack of the Clones. The the one from the end. Not at the end, but just sort of the scene with her in the fireplace and sort of the. Uh, the outfit that goes around the neck. Oh yeah. Sort of before a seduction scene, sort of, you know, overly sexualized. But I think that's that's part of the part and parcel with the whole uh anime thing going on. I think that the the visual look of the film is quite good. The bugs look really nice. And uh and the people look pretty good. There's a lot of neat lighting uh, going on throughout the film. And yet somehow like it's not just quite there. And I think it's that uncanny valley thing. You know there is there is a certain uh, amount of that like it's uh and there there are moments where it's like you're watching the cutscene of a video game, but a very good cutscene as cutscenes go. Definitely, like I don't think the animation looks bad. Like it's not that I don't know. It it's just something is slightly off with the look. But I mean, you look at how Starship Troopers Invasion looks, and you compare it to the. A CG TV series, Roughnecks, from the late from 1999, and it's a world of difference. Well, you know, I think I think that that might just be it. There is a certain there are certain sort of visual themes that carry over in in the first three Starship Troopers movies, and then we get to this one, uh, and it is. I think because of the fact that it that it's CGI, the only real design, and they're finally using extensive power armor, the only real design that's carried over it would be the bugs themselves and some of the spaceships. One thing I, I did notice that I, I thought was pretty good is on the armor of the troopers, they have their call sign printed on the outside of the armor. Yeah, they do a very decent job of making it so that you can you can tell who's who. In a scene, exactly because if you didn't have that, you couldn't really tell unless you picked out the shape of their head, and that's, I think, that's a real thoughtful touch. 
Although I think, although I think it kind of would have been nice to give them like an individual stripe of color, or like, or like what they did with the clone troopers in Clone Wars, where where some of them would the have like Wars, distinctive yeah. painted designs on the arm, on the faceplate and shoulder pads. Could have used a bit of that. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so what do you think of Starship Troopers Invasion? Overall, overall, I like it. It's, I guess, if if you wanted to do a serious Starship Troopers movie, it would be it would be this. I mean, uh, uh, it, it is making absolutely no attempt at being a satire. So tonally, it does not mesh with the other films. Uh, it ha it has a sort of it has that kind of brooding brooding and action tone that you get in a lot of a lot of anime, which which does work for it. But this is this this is the Starship Troopers movie that takes itself seriously. Well, and the narration at the beginning reminds me of the beginning of the book, where they talk about what it feels like before you, uh, before you drop, as you're loading up for a mission. Yeah. Before you drop, yeah. Uh, it, it's nice you get characters from the first film back in here. You know, not only do you have Johnny Rico, but you have um, Carmen, who is played by Denise Richards in the film. It's it's voiced by Lucy Christian here, and you have a. Uh, Carl, but he's not voiced by. Uh, why can't we just talk to his Neil name Patrick last Harris. episode? Neil Patrick Harris. Thanks. Yep. <laughs> and um, you know, and it's nice to see those characters return, even if they they don't have the likeness of the actors from the films, right? No, I'm. You have pr- that, that continuity in the story. This takes place. Right, and uh, I mean, this takes place. It seems like a good bit afterwards. Some of the other films, you see Johnny Rico. He's he's a bit grizzled. He has an eye patch. You don't really know what's going on there. Well, um, I mean, again, it's it's just I like to the show variety of places they've. Yeah, it's it's a show that time has passed exactly, and I like the variety of uh, action set pieces we have here, uh, especially in the beginning where bugs kind of like hop from this asteroid to the the outside of the ship. And there's snipers taking them off, and uh, you, you don't see a lot of bugs in spaceships in, in the other films, but you get uh, you get a bit of that here, and then later when they get to the derelict ship, and there's bugs on there and explosives everywhere, and you don't really know what's happening. Uh, it, it, it's a good bit of suspense there. Yeah, I guess I guess my main thing is I'm I'm just not used to the 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 tonal shift. I I kind of need some some humor in my Starship Troopers movies now. There's little slight moments of humor, but you're right; it's not up in front and center. Well, the only like, real like, in, uh, like Starship sort of humorous one moment is three. when when people are when the people are having a fight and uh, the woman takes her top off to distract them before they get knocked out. Right, there's that, but there's all there's also a, a scene of a flirtation uh, between a man and a woman where the guy says, "Would you like to know more?" And he's making fun of those news segments. Yeah, <laughs> which I think this movie could have used some more of. But otherwise, you're right. It, it, yeah, I mean, otherwise, it is all about the action here, and uh, and character development, and 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 so forth. And actually, one thing that this movie does does do, and, and one thing that I do like about Japanese CGI movies, 
is that they're more willing to take advantage of the fact that they're CGI. You don't get much of that in American uh, CGI uh, movies. And like, just like with, and there's a couple of creative shots. One of them being when the psychic is in that that storage container and won't come out, but they can see him through that mini camera. When they have to flee the scene, right. and they leave the mini camera behind, and you just get that awesome shot of the screen from the mini camera just swinging back and forth with the psychic's tortured face on it, uh, repeating repeating his crazy words. Yeah, that's a creepy movement. Uh, I do want to mention the director of this, Shinji Aramaki, directed such a well-known uh, anime films as like Appleseed and and actually he also did Space Pirate Captain Harlock Pir- we talked about in a previous episode Harlock he did he's also just done a lot and, of design um, work he did design work for uh, the, the TV series Mask he also did design work for uh, Transformers back in the 80s Full Metal Alchemist uh, Wolf's Reign that's another good series yeah I mean there's certainly a lot of design uh, in, in different projects over the years. I think the film looks really good. I think the bugs look very good here. Well, they look good, but also when we get to the, the movie's big reveal that the Federation, their new secret weapon was to try to use bugs against the bugs uh, and had like cloned and genetically altered bugs under psychic control, those Federation bugs look amazing. And they're, really, they're, they're just the original bug reskinned, but the... the pe- carapace pattern they give them is just this perfect grown in a lab stamped and serial numbered kind of uh, carapace pattern. It's a very nice touch. I I think uh, this thing being animated, you get to have the scope we wanted in the earlier sequels, but you couldn't have for budgetary reasons. I mean, there's no lack of trooper on bug action going on here and that you can have tons of bugs rushing people instead of just getting these sort of obscure close-ups of people shooting machine guns and seeing a bug every once in a while yeah i mean they 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 pack a lot on the screen in this movie they pack a lot on the screen there's a lot uh going on in this storyline i think perhaps a bit too much uh there's a lot of characters, both new and old, and while there there's forward momentum, um, kind of like Starship Troopers 3 in a way, even though they have Rico, they kind of save to use him more towards the end. Well, they, they, they do what they did in the, in the third film. They save him for the end so he can be the big damn hero. <laughs> yeah, and also kind of like the second film, we have a character that has a mysterious past. Do tell. He is the guy that... I can't think of the guy's name. Jeez, but he's like... They make a big deal of like wanting to take him with them on the mission, even though he's uh, the Federation doesn't want to use him. He's just being transported. Oh wait, was that the uh, a bug spray, the lieutenant, or are we talking thinking about somebody else? Yeah, I think it's. I 
think it's bug spray. They make a big mi- deal of him going on the mission, and it reminded me a bit of the storyline in Hero of the Federation, where the guy's like locked up, but they don't want to use him at any cost, but then they have to. Now, what do you think about them? It's now four movies in, they finally bring the bugs to Earth. That's nice to see. I almost wish that would have been the whole storyline of the film, I guess, if you're going to well, like, well, I love, have such I a love, big focus. You know, I love the, the threat when the, when the infested ship you know crashes outside of Paris, which is actually an interesting choice to, to have it uh, in, in Paris. And like, I, I just wish I wish we could have seen some bugs in Paris action. I really wanted to see arachnids swarming over the Arc de Triomphe for uh, you know climbing climbing the Eiffel Tower. I, sadly, it's it's more it's more Paris adjacent where they they do their mayhem. <laughs> right. I mean, it reminds me a bit of a, of a storyline in the TV show um, Roughnecks, the animated Starship Troopers uh, series, mm-hmm. where the whole series is, towards the end, it's building to um, the bugs going to attack Earth in one big assault, and then the series just ends. Because they ran out of money doing the show. <laughs> And they meant to have like an additional five episodes done, but instead they had to do clip shows to make the season order, and it was just one season. Uh, did you ever see that show, Roughnecks, the Starship yes. Troopers Chronicles? I didn't see the whole series, but I saw yeah. a number of episodes. Uh, in the United States, you can watch, I think, the entire series on a website called Crackle, which is Sony's free streaming website. And it it even though it uses characters like Rico and... and uh, Ratchet. And... and Rat Shack and, and so forth. It, it's pretty good. But I think the problem is um, the CG in the late 90s for a TV show, it looked okay at the time. It looks really bad now. And whatever compression they're using for the streaming version looks really awful on a modern TV. Mm. Like It's super fuzzy looking. And maybe that's just my internet connection, but I don't think so. Like it... I recall it looking better watching it on DVD on my old uh, standard definition television. But if you like Starship Troopers, I think you might get a kick out of Roughnecks. I especially like an episode where they get a uh, robotic soldier to help them in their mission. Yeah, they did finally use the skinnies in that series, as I recall. Oh, yeah, yeah, from the book. Yep, the skinnies are in there. And it was that same uh, Skinny's design as the one that carried over into the uh, tabletop skirmish game for Starship Troopers. Uh, did you play that game? You know, I I never have. Like it it hmm. it is played at like every convention I go to. I've just never had the time to just sit down and play it. Neat. I mean, it looks good. Starship Troopers has a long history with gaming. There was that classic uh, Avalon Hill Starship Troopers board game. You could play uh, mobile infantry skinnies or bugs and try to take control of a hex map. Hmm. It's constantly coming back in print. So, I mean, Starship Troopers Invasion, I think, is a pretty um, 
pretty entertaining film with with all the different uh, action sequences and kind of the, the sometimes cheesy nudity that goes on in there. Yeah, we do get, uh, and we do finally, finally also get a a bug queen, which turns out to be the source of the infestation, which resembles the giant bug intelligence from the third film, actually. Mm-hmm. So presumably that was just a giant queen. Right. Um, anything else you want to say about the film? I don't know. It's one of it's one of those cases where like the movie is just good enough that there's there's not that much to talk about. Like it's neither highs nor lows, but a pretty good ride. I agree. It, humor would have helped it immensely, even if they had like a few new sequences peppered in throughout. But because it's it's straight action, it loses. Uh, like you said, that that sharp satirical edge of the original. I, I mean, I don't think they're really going for that. They're, uh, as you said, it's more straight military science fiction. And I wouldn't mind seeing another movie done in this style. I just, mm-hmm. I, I wish it would have uh, a more of a sense of humor about itself. Yeah, you look at some of the other um, Sony uh, animated films. Like I, I saw one of their Resident Evil uh, animated movies. And it's the same kind of uh, like all action thing going on, but not as much humor either. Um, but yeah, if you want to see Marines shoot bugs up real good, <laughs> uh, you you certainly get your money's worth with Starship Troopers Invasion. I think I'll give it three out of five. I like Starship Troopers three a bit more. Um. The original Starship Troopers is is the best, of course, and and Starship Troopers Invasion is is, is leagues above Starship Troopers Two: Hero of the Federation. Yeah, I'll give it a three and a half. It could get a four, four and a half if it if it just had a sense of humor. Yeah, I I I'll agree on that one. Uh, that's I think that's just gonna, that's going to be my sticking point with this movie. So what would you do as a sequel then? Would you do something following up the story? Would you do a remake? I mean, that's the rumor is that they've been working on a remake of Starship Troopers. Ugh. It's it's one of those cases where they can only go downhill with a remake. But I guess if I were to, if I were to do another one, uh, I would do I would do a direct sequel to this. Uh, I'd do a Starship Troopers Excursion, uh, another sequel that doesn't that do a number. So. The um the Federation has decided to put these tamed bugs, uh, press them into service. So it's about the first mission that's being augmented by a squad of tamed bugs. So it's a small group, uh, a small group of mobile infantry, uh, 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 an observer from the Federation, a psychic, and all of the bugs he controls are sent on a special mission uh, in the bug quarantine zone. And you know what? Uh, it's going to involve it's. Ah, and you know, it's going to involve the skinnies, because they've been told that they're doing a search and rescue mission, but it turns out the ambassador that they're going to rescue isn't a human ambassador, it's a skinny ambassador that they want to hold hostage so that they can force the skinnies into joining the Federation against the bugs. Hmm. And there's a lot of distrust, because nobody's sure whether the psychic, maybe the psychic's been corrupted due to exposure to bug brainwaves, you know, can he really keep his bugs under control long enough to do the mission? You know, we're, we're, we're the, we're the mobile infantry, we're supposed to squish bugs, not work with them. And so there's a lot of, there's a whole lot of internal tension. 
And of course, when people find out that they've just rescued a skinny, even though it's for strategic reasons, no one knows if they can trust the alien. You know, how do they know he's not uh, mind controlling them? Uh, and I would, uh, and I would go ahead and do that as CGI. I think the skinnies could look really good in this style, uh, whether you use the roughnecks design or some new design. Um, but I would, I would re, I would reinsert the comedy. I would put in, I would put in the news breaks, the propaganda footage. Uh, I would have a uh, a flight marshal. Uh, the flight marshal Omar uh, memorial. Uh, they would actually se- they would actually celebrate uh, the anniversary of his death in that movie, and that song would get played and covered several times. Hmm. I would, if I was doing a sequel, I th- I think I would do a. Uh, hmm. Maybe the idea would be it would follow a. a a, a news reporter in the Starship Troopers universe, hmm. and he has to live with with the troopers. The idiots are real, like you are their man on the planet thing. But he can't get too close to where the action is. But sadly, his little like AV unit he has, where he films all this stuff remotely, he uses drones to do the real dangerous camera work. Uh, the bug set off an EMP. And his camera drones are all deactivated. So he has to take a handheld battery-operated camera and run into the field himself. But he's he's barely trained on using like a, a pistol, which he's required to have on him. And he wants to get exciting, juicy footage so he can get the promotion he wants. So the cameraman is forced to, uh, to go in the field with uh, a series of troopers. And it would be more of like a... I think that's where you'd get a lot of the humor in mind would be you'd you'd see a lot of the sort of segments the guy did in the studio and then he's trying to keep his his cool and that that snarky tone while being shot at by bugs and and whatever else is happening. Huh. And so he'd be an embedded journalist. He'd be an that's right, he'd be an embedded journalist, but he's forced to be even more embedded when an EMP takes out his camera drones. And if he wants that hot and spicy footage, <laughs> he has to go into the uh, in the midst of hell itself, and I would just call it um, Starship Troopers up close and personal. <laughs> That's an awful title. I don't know. It's the best I can come up with, I suppose. And the main character's name would be Scoop Giblet. Scoop Giblet. <laughs> I'm Scoop Giblet. And that's the news. Reporting for Federated News Network. <laughs> would you like to know more? I know I would. But up up. Sequel news. Well, I've got some ba- sad sequel news. Uh, okay. Uh, Sam Simon, the uh, co-creator of The Simpsons, has passed away. Ah, that's right. He worked on The Simpsons for the first, I think, four seasons. Four or... I thought it might be the first six. I know, I know, I know. He's like consulted, uh, like since then. I think, but like a lot, a lot of his DNA is in the show. He was an instrumental to it actually coming to television and being as successful as it was. Yep. I um. Yeah, you know, if you listen to the uh, WTF podcast hosted by Mark Marin, he recently reposted his uh, episode he did with talking to Sam Simon. And that this guy, you know, has made 
a lot of money from the successful TV shows he's worked on. I think early in his career, he worked on the show Taxi, if uh, if memory serves. He donated basically all of his money into uh, animal rights and uh, and vegetarianism and and all, all these sort of things. A lot of very uh, very noble causes. Yeah, I mean, he was. It's is. It's... The really cool guy, you know. the The entertainment industry is going to be, uh, and the world in general is really going to be a, a lesser place for his absence. And yet, he lived much longer than they thought they would, given his uh, diagnosis. Oh, very true. So, yeah, no, great. Uh, by all accounts, a, a great guy. Um, the news I noticed, looking things over this morning, is uh, Tim Burton is set to direct a live-action version of Dumbo for Disney. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Disney's been doing the live-action thing um, for a while. You know, they did... Tim Burton did Alice in Wonderland for them. Uh, he they sure have did. A, they have a live-action version of the Beauty and the Beast cartoon, complete with the Sun and Dance numbers, uh, in development with Emma Watson as Beast. and Or not as Beast, <laughs> as if, Beauty. If only. That would be a cunning reversal. Wouldn't it? Yeah, huh. That'd be something. Uh, but yeah, Tim Burton as Dumbo. Well, you're never going to get scary clowns, right? You get weird circus stuff. Well, the pink elephants um, on parade thing yeah, is going to be that. Sure. Like, if he could just direct that segment, oh, man. Um, I'd imagine. And, and, and the other question, you know, some people were wondering is they've also been talks of a script being ready for Beetle just Juice 2, and if he's going to do that and then do Dumbo, would. or if he's just going to produce Beetlejuice 2 and someone else is going to direct it. Um, who knows? But Tim Burton as Dumbo, uh, I could think of worse pairings. I, I didn't much like his Alice in Wonderland, but I liked his uh, Frankenweenie cartoon from a few years ago. Well, it's just, you know, it's it's one of the things where it's 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 a classic. You can only fail. Uh, you think they're going to have the crows? <laughs> the thing is, I, I bet they are, but I bet they're going to be nothing like they were in the original film. We'll have to uh, have have to see there. I think, yeah, th- that's the question, isn't it? Can a CG Dumbo make people cry, like the uh, 2D animated one did? We'll have to see, or or then again, maybe we won't, because it's one of those situations where I think I'd much rather watch the original. Yeah. Um. Didn't they do a direct-to-video sequel for Dumbo? Not that I'm aware of, but there was uh, in the in the mid '80s there was a uh, live action TV show Dumbo Circus where uh, Dumbo, uh, a puppety Dumbo, and a whole bunch of other puppety characters traveled the world as a circus. Really? Huh. I don't remember that one. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was kind of a a much more ragged aesthetic than uh, than uh, that Pooh uh, that Winnie the Pooh live action show. Oh, oh yeah, time. right. I've seen but, that you one. Know, Everything looked kind of, everything kind of had a real ragged look, and they also used a lot of like chroma key and and uh, artificial backgrounds uh, mm-hmm. for lots of segments. So the the whole show has this very, like everything looks artificial, but it's a very deliberate artificial look that the show had. Well, uh, got a question for you. What you're watching? What am I watching? That is a wonderful question. Well, since uh, since our last episode, 
you know, actually, I'll I'll admit I have not been watching much. I've been I've been down with uh I've been down with a sickness, uh, to put it uh, a particular way. And I've actually like when when I when I get sick, like I don't watch TV. I just read. <laughs> so I've just been I've just been reading like the past uh, the past several days. What is what have you been reading? Uh, I've been reading uh. Sedaganda by Louise McMaster Bujold. Uh, I've been uh, reading the new Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition uh, Player's Guide. I've been reading uh, some uh, Michael Moorcock, some Robert E. Howard. There's there's a certain amount of sort of comfort food in my reading right now. You're impressed with the uh, Fifth Edition Player's Handbook of D and D. Overall, yes. I I like that they've attempted to make the game playable. Hmm. Like it's it's still it's not perfect. But this is as close to the kind of game I would like as they will probably ever do with D and D. It's right. it's well written. It's straightforward. It's not as arcane as previous editions. They've taken they've taken a lot of needless complexity out of it, which I think is definitely a good idea. It's taken a lot of shit from being as simple as it is. That is that is ridiculous. The game needed to be simplified. Otherwise, how can you get new players if you don't simplify it somehow? Well, I, well, it's also just for like ease of use. Mm. You know, like imagine, you know, imagine if you were like you're sitting at your computer, if you had to like code everything before you did it, rather than just clicking on an icon. That's kind of what it's like. I see. So something I've been watching. Is well, I tried watching this one, but I couldn't make it through. It was pretty bizarre. It's a it was a, a TV special called William Shatner's Gonzo Ballet. I've heard of that. Yeah, it's about um. So in the early two thousands, uh, William Shatner came out with came out with an album called Has Been, uh, produced by Ben Folds. That is a great album. Yeah, and and this is about a ballet company, um did a a ballet of the whole album interpretive dance right of the whole album and they had to get permission from William Shatner and everything and it's it just shows these uh I, I couldn't make it through the whole thing I just got a bit bored by it but it shows these dance sequences so I I don't know what makes it gonzo I didn't watch enough of it but I thought It would be um, more than just people dancing to music to one of his albums. So, if you like dance, and I don't particularly do, which uh, <laughs> yeah, questions why I tried to watch some of this in the first place, check out William Shatner's Gonzo Ballet. I also watched, um, have I talked about this before, a documentary called Paul Williams Still Alive? No, no, you didn't. Oh, okay. So Paul Williams is a a diminutive actor um, who was famous in the seventies. Like he he played Little Enos and Smokey and the Bandit, lest we forget. But he also had a, had a music career and, and wrote a lot of songs for people. And he wrote some old fashioned love songs. Yep, wrote some old fashioned love songs. Did you know? Wrote the music for Phantom of the Paradise and that sort of stuff. Uh, wrote Rainbow Connection. 
from the Muppet movie. He obviously he's also in a great episode of the Muppet Show. Is he? Yeah, he certainly did a lot of talk show appearances uh, at the time. And um, and this is about the guy who directed the documentary. His name is. Let's pull it up. Stephen Kessler, who actually directed Vegas Vacation with Chevy Chase. But he was a Paul Williams fan since he was a kid, and he thought Paul Williams was dead. But he did a little bit of research and found out Paul Williams was alive <laughs> and uh, convinced him to, to, to do this documentary, Paul Williams Still Alive. And I think part of what makes the documentary memorable is Paul Williams seems to not want hi- the documentarian there a lot of the time. And so he gets some kind of verbal sparring or like uh, even Paul Williams' wife will be frankly annoyed at the camera being there. So, uh, but eventually they kind of warm up to him and let him do more things. He goes with them on a, on to a live concert overseas, which is fun. They also, uh, one of the more interesting segments is he tries to get Paul Williams to watch like YouTube clips of back when he did talk show appearances to try and get his live reaction. And Paul Williams finds it too painful to watch (laughs) and that he's not that person mugging for the camera anymore. So, you know, it, it's not like you're going to watch Paul Williams still alive and get a complete understanding of the man's career. But I think that it mixes um, a lot of vintage footage from these talk shows and and TV appearances he made with his kind of ongoing relationship with the uh, director, Stephen Kessler, making this documentary as they kind of warm up to each other. Uh, makes for a very interesting watch. It was not really what I was expecting. It's called Paul Williams Still Alive, and it's uh, streaming uh, on Netflix uh, in the United States. You know what would be great if that's what that's what all documentaries become, or just having the subject of the documentary watch old YouTube clips of themselves and react to it? I mean, I think <laughs> they'll get to be that way in a little bit. I don't know. Like, I mean, that's not a major focus of the documentary but it kind of builds to that point uh there's another pretty good anecdote in there where paul williams opens up a uh a storage unit and it has boxes of all these old videotapes and 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 he tells the stephen kessler the director hey you know go through this and find you can use whatever footage you find and then almost immediately afterwards he gets a phone call from paul williams hey what's this one tape in there you might not want to watch that one <laughs> and it was like a it's presumed to be like a sex tape and in the narration the director says i saw it paul i saw everything <laughs> but yes i mailed the tape back to you uh so i mean that it's it's that sort of thing i think that makes the this documentary the format uh less pedestrian than it could have been <laughs> that's pretty cool yeah so even even though i didn't know a lot about paul williams going into it i learned a bit more going out of it and um yeah just a real interesting watch paul williams still alive thank you dog for barking um where can where can people catch you thrasher they can catch me on twitter at internet mayor catch me on twitter at sequel cast uh, if you're in the portland oregon area stop by the iconic lounge tuesday nights 8 to 10 p.m i host a quiz for geeks who drink there so I, i'd love to see you there um what else? So uh, that... If this episode comes out in time, uh, you can see me at uh, LCTC 
the Lexington Comic and Toy Convention. I will be uh, a featured artist at the Punch in the Art booth, and uh, mm. you'll also just see me out and about. And if this episode comes out after the convention, hey folks, how did you like me at LCTC? Got your bases covered either way. So, you know, we just finished a um, a series here at Starship Troopers. So... It's time to assign a new series. Yep. And I think we're kind of taking things back to where we started, in a way, with this series. Are we going to redo Beverly Hills Cop? We're not going to redo Beverly Hills Cop. We're going to do another Eddie Murphy series. Ooh. So... How nutty is the professor in it? I, it's not the nutty professor. It's it's not daddy daycare. <laughs> it is forty eight hours. Forty eight hours and uh, it's sequel another forty eight hours. That's what we'll be covering next on the sequel cast. Oh, very cool. So for the sequel cast, this is Matt. And this is Thrasher. Saying It's a good day to die. That's the Ron movie. <laughs> I, I, I hacked her. She hacked me. I hacked her. She hacked me. The sequel cast is a hipster goblin production. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 